from the ESPN 690 and the Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. The joke is always if you had a cup of coffee with Sean McVay, then you're going to be head coach of the NFL. And there's there's a ton of truth to that because if you spend time around the guy, um, he gives you a ton of confidence in yourself. Um, he's really shown a lot of us young guys that, that you can do it your own way. It doesn't have to be the way it's always been done. You know, for the last 20 years, maybe around the league, um, that there can be a different way of doing things. And so I think that we all saw that from Sean. He was very open with how about how he did things, why he made certain decisions, and and so that that has allowed my and a lot of other guys to go off and feel very comfortable um, leading a team because of, of the impact that he made on all of us. That is Zach Taylor. Ah, good call. Gosh, I'm just on a roll. I am on a roll. The NFL is not. No. I think people bring up uh, interesting points. Uh, Steve Weich, I just saw him tweet about this, and he says, uh, cannot tell you over the years how many black coaches took interviews knowing they weren't getting head coaching jobs but were encouraged to for the experience. The amount of texts and combos I've had this coaching cycle with black coaches equate to this. How's that working out, uh, is what he says. Um, Brent Morton, Austin Lane, Casey Kurtz, big story in the NFL today. Brian Flores, former Miami Dolphins coach. Suing the NFL class action suit, which means the Jaguars are included. No specific instances of 29 of the teams, including the Jaguars, but specifically suing uh, the NFL and sites, the New York Giants, for their hiring practices this past cycle. Mm -hmm. In the past, uh, the Denver Broncos and the Miami Dolphins, not for their hiring processes, but instead their integrity to the game, where they alleged Stephen Ross, the owner of the Miami Dolphins, told uh, Brian Flores that he'd give him $100,000 for every game they lost in uh, 2019. That was, if you might remember, the tank for Tua uh, narrative and year where the Dolphins ended up actually picking fifth overall, I believe it was, and still ended up getting Tua. Cincinnati finished uh, with the number one pick, got Joe Burrow that year. And, uh, well, here they are in the Super Bowl a couple of years later. And I don't think you could ignore a couple of things we said. Mm -hmm. What's the irony or exact nature of this lawsuit happening on the first day of Black History Month uh, here on February 1st? Also, the high-profile nature, which are always the NFL's high profile, but of Tom Brady retiring earlier today mm -hmm. and Maybe bigger than that. Super Bowl now less than two weeks out. And so this is a huge time for everybody to talk about the NFL. And so I don't know if that's all coincidental stuff um, or if there was some exact nature, uh, which probably, by the way, would not be a bad idea on the part of whoever's PR staff is working on this. Yeah. Um, so I would believe it would be pretty intentional uh, at uh, when this came out. Um, but at the same time, that's really not the main storyline. Uh, either, I I think are you do you have concern? I think Sean brings this up on on YouTube a little bit, and I'm just going to paraphrase. But now, do we wonder every time a black coach is hired, are they getting the job because they are black? Yeah. And the flip side of this, are we going through? Are we going to go through an opposite side of this? Mm -hmm. You know, which by the way might be beneficial anyway. But well, I'm just saying, are we going to hit that? I mean, even and by the way, still right now, we don't know if Byron left. Byron left, which could still be in the mix, doesn't feel like he's in the mix. Mm -hmm. um, 
But if he were to get the head coaching job or Jim Caldwell were to get the head coaching job, do we think that even happened in Jacksonville? And I would say it would be in everybody's back of their mind. Uh, whether we know that's true or not, right? Yeah, I mean, if you're asking me, is it going to overcorrect itself so much we're going to have, you know, 20 black head coaches in the NFL? Uh, I mean, I, I don't think that's it's going to be that extreme. But at the same time, I'm, I'm a lot less taken back by that than the, the latter of saying, well, you know, this guy got the head coaching job because he had a cup of coffee with this dude in college and they knew each other and now he's the head coach. Yeah. So... If you start looking more on what these guys are capable of in terms of the X's and O's and their coaching capabilities and not so much of, well, I know this guy from so-and-so and I said when I get, if I get to this point, I'm going to bring him on with me because that's what the NFL is. It's about who you know. It's, it is the good old boys network. And if that goes away a little bit more, then so be it. I'll, I'll, I'll take whatever over that. I, I said this to you in a commercial break. If you... It, in the most simplistic form possible, at the basic roots of the NFL, mm-hmm. and I'm hiring, and winning is really all that matters. Like, mm-hmm. winning is really all that matters. We're not talking about college football, where you can hide behind the facade of growing young men, you know, yeah. and, and I want to coach and hope this guy takes these life lessons. And by the way, I do know that's part of coaching, but the problem with college football is it's also very big business, so hiding behind that is a little different. We're yeah. talking about the NFL. Right? We're talking about the NFL, where that's all that matters. Yeah, it's big business, but for you to stay in big business, you better win. Mm-hmm. And I've just always been, again, at the very simplest form, and, and almost maybe from a naive, naive standpoint, because I feel like it's so simple and logical, like, why would race or anything like that even factor in? Because all I care about is winning. Like, I told you, I gave you an example, like, I don't care if Lady Gaga <laughs> was my head coach. Yeah. If she could get us wins but and I was keep, good at doing you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I just can't get by. Like, I understand all the talking points around it. I just can't believe and, and, and fathom and the idiocy of not hiring the person that's but, going to get you the most wins or do the yeah. best job for your organization. But And listen, man, I, I said this, I think, a segment ago, and I'll say it again. It, it is the greatest contradiction in the NFL. Because it's about wins and losses, but then when you look at the hiring process, when you look at some of these coaches, whether it's position coordinators who aren't the most qualified, who aren't the best suited, they still get an opportunity because of who they know, and they're not the best candidate. So then are wins and losses really the most important thing, or is it just, yeah, it's important, but I also want to feel comfortable with who I'm going to hire, and I want to make sure that we have a good scenario of a guy I can get along with, as opposed to winning football games. It's a contradiction. And... I'm never going to put any coach on blast or call any coach out because um, I, I I have, I don't know, I don't, I don't know if I call it respect or if I just, not how I was raised to, to you know, throw people underneath the bus. But, like, listen, I, I've seen with my own eyes. I've I've been coached by people in this league who I thought, man, like, if you were my college coach, if you were my high school coach, I wouldn't even got to the league. Like, I, th- there's, I don't understand how you're in a position right now to tell me what to do because you, you aren't that good, man. Like, I've, like, for instance, Joe Cohen, fantastic. I, I sing his praises all the time. Yeah. I got that dude's back uh, until the end. Now, was he the best to play for in terms of fun? No, absolutely not. Dude should be out <laughs> nonstop. But I respect Joe Cohen because he was genuine and he loved the game of football. 
once again, not going to name out any names, but there were some people that, whether it was a position coach or just a, a guy that I knew was a different kind of coach, I saw these guys where it was like, oh, you're just collecting a paycheck. Oh, you're just you're just here because you know somebody. Yeah, you know, and, and and that's what the NFL is. And I guarantee every NFL team has at least one of those guys. Ask anybody in the locker room, but they're truthful. They'll tell you the truth. Where it's like, you know what? Yeah, my coach. I mean, or that that coach over there. I don't know, man. Yeah. I mean, I've I've seen better. Like I I know what good is, right? And good can be anything. Good can be a player's coach where you're joking at practice. Good can be chewing you out and um, and trying to call you up and getting the best out of you. There's a lot of versions of what good in the NFL in terms of coaching looks like. But what shouldn't be tolerated is lackadaisical, is not really caring, is nonchalant, and not getting you know the best out of your players, not getting the best out of yourself. And that happens way too much in the league. And any player who's been on multiple teams will definitely tell you that. Yeah, and by the way, the players can't get they, – they, you have to be the best of the best to play. Correct. Right? Yeah. But you don't necessarily always have to be the best of the best to coach. Yeah. And that's, that's a great point. And that's it's interesting. It's right? wild, yeah. In, in a league that is supposed to be the best of the best. Yeah. Right? And I think we assume that. like we Because, again, that's a logic mm-hmm. ideology. Like, that is, like, not that hard to fathom. That's what we expect. Yeah. But to that point, there are brilliant people at Nike and Apple and other places, and then there are people that probably shouldn't be there. Well, right. Yeah, no, like even in higher positions, like yeah. that aren't as good as this guy or this gal or this whatever. Yeah. Um, and I've said this before. Like I say it, and I really hesitate to say this, like on a microphone. But for this, I think it works because I'm not pointing out to all coaches. But I just told you to break. There's like a saying a few of us have down there, and, and I've heard this many a times, and we kind of joke about it. Um, but in some instances, it's like really true is that what's the difference between, like, a gym teacher in high school and some of these coaches in the NFL, like, positional coaches? And I think what you're telling us is I'm not sure. Like, at times, that's not a bad analogy. And, by the way, that's no disrespect to gym teacher, but my gym teacher necessarily shouldn't coach in the NFL at the highest of levels, right? And so that's kind of like the the picture that you paint. Um, And it just seems so absurd Mm -hmm. that we could get there. Now, how does it happen? I will give you an instance that's run through my mind in this year specifically. Okay. Okay? Yeah. In a league that is so much attention on it, especially. Mm-hmm. Now, this wasn't always the case, but especially more recently, so much attention. I mean, yeah. it, it is mind-boggling the cycle of news that passes through the NFL. Mm-hmm. And I thought this relative especially to Urban Meyer. And please don't take this as a defense of Urban Meyer or anything else, just an acknowledgement of the situation. And, I, and, and it really stuck out to me when I heard the Jimmy Johnson stories when he came from college to the NFL. And I think I've told you this before. You, you may know this, that Jimmy Johnson, when he went to the Dallas Cowboys, even though they struggled early on, he brought everybody with him from college. He brought his PR guy, he brought his trainer, he brought all his coaches. They all came together. Yeah. And what there was there was this loyalty, right? Mm-hmm. Now, were they, did we know at the time they were good enough to be in the NFL? Probably not. But he brought them because he was connected to them. He had connections to them. He thought they would protect the in-house stuff. They knew the program. It was better for everybody. But there was probably a better defensive backs coach or linebacker coach that had more credentials to yeah. be with the Dallas Cowboys at the time than with that, than that was there, yep. right? Well, now you look at a guy like Urban, 
And Urban did not do it that way. He did not want to raid from Ohio State or from any past places or people that he had been with. Mm-hmm. Now, he did on occasion. Obviously, Charlie Strong, there was connection there. Chris Ash was another one. But he then pieces together a, a staff that has some NFL experience, seemingly what you would say is the right way. He interviewed some special teams coaches, offensive coordinators, Joe Cullen, right? Sure, sure. But the problem with that sometimes in the NFL is what we saw. There was no loyalty to Urban and the way he does things, and everybody's like, oh, my God, what is he doing, yeah. right? And, again, this isn't a defense of Urban, but that's how you start seeing leaks and other things like that. And so when you ask or when I ask or when you think about why are certain people connected in the NFL, why is there this tree, why are there retreads, why does all these people keep getting opportunities? Well, I do think that's partially the reason. We have created an engine that is so big called the NFL in the cycle and everything else that you have to trust people, whether they're good at their job or not. I trust that person to be around me. Mm-hmm. And that some places and businesses is a fact of life. And that's included in the NFL. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's, it's a great point. You know, I think in the, I mean, I do have stories of where guys worked their butts off and were able to take their position that they're at and, and improve upon that. Like, I'll tell a quick story. When I was in Chicago, and, and, and listen, I'm not, it's, it's not any secret. Chicago wasn't the, the, the best place to play football for me personally, right? And when we talk about my time in Chicago, you know, I've, I've voiced this pleasure before about just, you know, whatever the, the, the defensive line room, it, it, in terms of how it was ran, in terms of how things are done, it wasn't the best. And, and I've spoke before about this dude by the name of Clint Hurt. Now, you know, for the sake of the story, it doesn't matter the skin color, but this was a black assistant coach. He was, a, he was an assistant defensive line coach. And when I say assistant, this guy was making photocopies, right? Like he was down the train. It was his first year um, as an assistant defensive line coach. He's making all the photocopies. He's getting the, 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 the game plans together. Doesn't really have a lot of influence in terms of, you know, what he can do. Just he has to follow in line, right? Well, I remember during training camp, we're, we're watching film. And for whatever reason, only the ones and twos got their film critiqued by the position coach. Everybody else didn't. So, like, I, I was taking times with the twos, but also the threes. And I would be with the threes, and we wouldn't watch my film or wouldn't get critiqued. They would blow past it. So while I'm at practice, you know, and I'm doing my thing, trying to bust my ass, trying to make a team, then we go, we go back and watch it. How can I improve? I'm not getting any coaching whatsoever. Mm. So that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And it rubbed a lot of players in that locker room the wrong way. Well, Clint Hurt saw this. Like, and I didn't, I didn't mention this to him. Nobody mentioned it to him, but he noticed this. And he said, all right, here's what we're going to do. Instead of you guys going back to the dorms after the meeting, come meet with me 10 minutes after our meeting, and, and I'll sit with you. Because this is a, it's a former defensive line coach at Louisville, so he knows what he's doing. He's like, I'll, I'll teach you. He's like, I'll, I'll say what you're doing wrong, what you're doing right, and all those guys that aren't getting coached right, come into my room, and we'll do that. Sacrificed his time. Sacrificed, you know, we had to sacrifice our time as well. But he cared that much to coach us. And lo and behold, a couple years later, he's in Seattle, um, assistant head coach and also defensive line coach for the Seahawks because he earned that right. That's right. Because he went above and beyond what was expected of him. From a guy that was supposed to be making photocopies and kind of just sit in the back room keeping his mouth shut, saw, you know what, maybe I can help these guys out a little bit and give them their fair shake, and he did. And that paid off. Now, that's just one story. Yeah. Those stories don't always happen. I understand that. Sometimes guys work their asses off and just for whatever reason, they don't know the right people and they don't get their opportunities. But that was one instance where it was a bright side, where a guy did work hard and he got his just due. 
I wish more stories, I think, would be like that. But yeah. I think it's more of the latter where it's like, well, I know this guy, I know this guy, so it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, quite honestly, man, I mean, we've done it this whole cycle, right? Yeah. I mean, aren't we kind of like... And, and and by the way, this is no disrespect. Well, it's so ironic that the Giants are brought up in this, but yeah. I mean, aren't we doing that with the Giants anyway? Before this Flores situation even comes to light, yeah. Joe Shane from Buffalo. Okay, bring Brian Dable from Buffalo. Yeah, yeah, right. Yep. I mean, that's because we are programmed to think that's the way the world works. We had a seven last week. Late last week, I was like, is everything got to be a package deal? Mm -hmm. Right. I mean. Does it work that way? I mean, it's one thing to have familiarity, but it's another thing to say you're the best guy for the job. Like, mm -hmm. I actually spun it a little bit different. Like, Joe Shane might realize that, hey, Brian Dable's pretty damn good, but he might not be great as a head coach because he's been around him for a long time, yeah. right? Yep. He might have the expertise to be able to acknowledge that. Um, or he's just buddy-buddy with him. Or he thinks he's the most qualified guy. I mean, there's three different ways to look at it. I don't know which one. Yeah. You hope that he thought he was the most qualified guy. And there's certainly writing on the wall that says he's the most qualified guy. Mm -hmm. uh, but they obviously went around this process not the right way. And by the way, this is on Joe Shane mm -hmm. and the Giants mm -hmm. for the way they handled this. You know, this comes on the heels of the Jaguars in a totally different respect, but obviously botching this search to some degree, if not to some high degree, and O'Connell not being able to interview for another two weeks, Valentine's Day, even if they want him or don't want him, they can't even get him until then because the way they handle that. Yeah. So it also shows you that even this is a billion-dollar business, these guys appear to be qualified for these jobs, and they still screw up the most basic of details. Yeah. And in the meantime... They still don't go get the people that probably have earned or worked for or the opportunity. Mm -hmm. Listen, I can't tell you that every black candidate that would be possibly up to be head coach is going to be a great head coach. I have no idea. Sure. You know, yeah. I mean, I just don't know. Like Eric Bieniemy, I know he's been through a lot of cycles. I don't, uh, I don't know why he's not a head coach, but I also can't tell you that I guarantee you that he'd be a great head coach. Mm -hmm. Right? We can't do that about anybody. We can't do that about Byron Leftwich. We can't do that. The only thing I can do that a little bit about Doug Peterson, I know he won a Super Bowl. He happens to be a white guy, but he won a Super Bowl. I think I can tell you what I expect out of Jim Caldwell because he's been at a couple of stops and I've seen his resume. Mm -hmm. But any of these first-time guys, opportunities, personnel, or coaching, it's really hard to tell. That's white or black, but you're taking a chance. Um, and it is really stunning the, to look at the job that a guy like Tomlin has done in Pittsburgh. Right. And we've talked about this. Who would you model your organization after if you could take the blueprint? Well, so many people have said Pittsburgh because they've had three coaches in yep. however many years. Mm -hmm. And that continuity is terrific. And we know that's terrific. It's good for players. It's good for your organization. It's good for everything around it. And Tomlin has been the leader of that for the last 15 some odd years. Mm -hmm. Right. And they we have seen how he's handled situations, handled locker rooms. He's. He's incredibly respected in both forms. Yeah. He's successful. And yet, 31 other owners around the league have not tried the model of, a, of oh, not all the time, some have. Yeah. Um, but that model of hiring a black coach mm -hmm. that, by the way, might relate to the locker room. Yep. Maybe better than a white coach, quite frankly. Without a doubt. Um, not that that's guaranteed. I'm not well, saying a white man can't no, relate to black players no. or, or a locker room that is 70% black. But, but, let's, not, but let's, let's be honest here, Brent. 
guys are hiring young NFL coaches now predominantly because why? They can relate to the players a little more. Yes, yeah. Right? Well, yeah, and I agree with you. I think, like, in terms of a black head coach, yeah, if that head coach looks more like the players in that locker room, of course I think he can be able to write to that guy a little more. Yeah. How could he not? Before we go to Bray, I want to ask you one thing. So, obviously, with the NFL, I mean, it, it's too big to fail. Uh, you get the sense, right? Like, I, I remember the, the whole Kaepernick thing, people saying, I'm done watching the football. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the ratings have never been higher. Never been higher. And we'll see how the it's still in its infancy right now. How much of a black eye is this going to be for the NFL going forward, do you think? Uh, let me think about it. Yeah. Let me think about it. I don't want to just shout something. But sure. uh, that's a good question. We'll be back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Right? Yeah, I've told that story, man. Literally, I know, but, like, but I got Doug, it confused because I thought it was even ice cream for Andy Reid. Oh, no, it was always cheeseburger. Peterson, it's the ice cream. It's the ice cream. I yeah. saw a clip yesterday where he says, like, ice cream after every yeah. meeting. Got ice cream, got ice cream, got ice cream. Literally, it took the, the whole flow from Andy Reid and just changed uh, burgers to ice cream. Oh, yeah, it's great, though. I love it. What else should you change to? What's next? Like, if I were to adopt that. In, in terms of getting a snack, you mean? Yeah. Like, oh, man. Um, I mean, you can't use Skittles. That's Marshawn Lynch. Cookie. You can go cookies. But, I mean, cookie. You know what? If I was going to go cookies. cookies, right? You go those. What are the name of those cookies? Sometimes they have it like the hotels. Uh, you Talk know, like when you check double in. Tree? And they. No, the, the, no. The chocolate chip cookies? Yeah, they're chocolate chip cookies. Yeah. That's, but they're, if they're fresh out of the oven, yeah, they're you get fantastic. A, well, that's like a, a double tree hotel you get those. I, I don't know, know, but there's a brand for them. Okay. Come on. Somebody knows. I got. An, I can help you. Can I see you, big cookie guy? But like when they're hot coming out of that. Like they make them, and they usually they'll have them sometimes at some of these hotels. I don't I'm know which ones. The, I think the, it is the, the double tree. I think you're du- right. It's the double tree. But it's a. I forget the the name of the cookie right now. Um, the brand. It's like red. There's a it's, red. It's not like label. famous Amos or anything. I mean, we're no, talking about like quality cookies. Yeah. Okay. Like we're, these aren't in packages, man. They're like in yeah. that little thing, like that you have to open up and oh, you like the Pillsbury? use the tongs to come out. Oh, yeah, no. Kind of Pillsbury esque, but not not Pillsbury. Okay. You, somebody. I mean, could we get in a grocery store? I don't know. I don't. I mean, I don't know, man. I don't know where you're going with this. Okay. Pepper's Farm. No, it's not. Okay, Some, whatever. Listen, somebody's going to let us know because they know what we're talking about. You know what we're talking about. We just can't find Otis Spunkmeyer. Is that it? Otis Spunkmeyer? Was he a former basketball player? <laughs> yeah, he played, Otis Spunkmeyer? Played for Hoosiers. <laughs> what? <laughs> There's, uh, hey, I'll be honest. I've, I've never heard of Otis Spunkmeyer cookies. Listen, you may not have heard of him, okay. but you probably had him then. I'm not sure if that is correct. I haven't seen an Otis Spunkmeyer cookie commercial either. No, I, you're not going to see these. Like I said, I don't think you can get them. Like, they're well, not necessarily like in the. You're not going to buy them off the shelf. Somebody's Otis Spunkmeyer might be it. <laughs> I feel like we're getting trolled. Might not. Nah, like, there's a chance it's Otis Spunkmeyer. I'm not 
it's not ringing a bell though. Oh, by the way, just a uh, real off topic. Uh, yeah. Since we already are. But chocolate chip cookies would be cool. Like chocolate chip cookie, if I'm an NFL player. Yeah. Hey, we got oh, fresh baked chocolate chip cookies after this meeting. Well, I mean, that'd do so. That'd be good for me. Oh, absolutely. I mean, did they have cookies for like because the ice cream? They have cookies next to the ice cream in the oh, hotel. They did. Which is it's such a wild thing. We're we're you know primed professional athletes. And you're going to fill us up with ice cream and cookies before the game. I know it. It's it, wild. Is a, it is a wild thing. But whatever works, man. Uh, I don't think it's Mrs. Fields, by the way. Somebody oh, said that's Mrs. Fields, But I don't, I don't think that's it because I think those come wrapped. And so these are not wrapped. Like, these are these are almost like the cookie dough you get. You put it in the oven, you bake them, and boom, they come out. And for the next not, 15 minutes, it's the greatest farms. thing you ever okay. ate. I don't know, man. Um, but Otis Buckmeyer, it might be it. I'm telling you he was a basketball player, and that's not a cookie. Uh, <laughs> Hey, uh, one last, uh, Daniel Day-Lewis, fantastic, by the way, I finished. Oh, you watched it? Yeah. Oh, everybody gather around. There will be blood. It was fantastic. Well, let me, you liked it? Yeah, it was good. Wild, isn't it? It was pretty I mean, wild. I mean, for not the most action, per se. No, it's a slow-going movie. But, but one it commands that I, the room. I was like, yeah, I was, I was hooked. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I was thinking this a little bit because you guys were both astonished that I had started the movie and didn't finish it. I, I lost nothing in doing that. Yeah, but it, I lost it, nothing. it takes out of the element, though. You know, because I'm sure you're probably texting to him, reading up on Trent Balky and stuff, so you're not even paying attention to the greatness that is Daniel Day-Lewis. No, I did. Last okay. night, I pretty much locked. That's what I was afraid. I couldn't do that for a two-hour and 40-minute stretch, <laughs> so I had to break it up. I got you. <laughs> but I did. I was locked in, and nice. I finished it, and yeah. it was good, and he yeah. was fantastic. Told you, man. And I was just waiting, because you kept bringing up the preacher. I'm like, how's this thing going to end? Right. And it actually does have a lot of, uh, what was the one I saw that... Recently, oh no, country for old men. No, it has. Yeah, don't a, worry, I'm gonna tell you what, what you all seen. I got but, you. But it's a, it's very similar in nature, yeah. In the sense that, like, a lot of things could happen. Sure. At the end, yeah. And you're like, you still have to like go back. Okay, did I just see what I just saw? Did I understand it the way I understood it? Yeah. Like I think it asks me well, that. No, you're you're absolutely right. And like, what those movies do such a great job of is like there really is no like. I mean, there's villains in No Country for Old Men, but there's really no villain and hero in. There will be blood. That's true. There's just a bad and person and kind that, of a right? bad person we as well. We are trained to yes. wait for that. Yes. And that's what hap that's what happened in uh, No Country for Old Men. Yes. As the villain, essentially. Yep. Spoiler. Well, oh, I mean, it's been 10, 12 years. Yeah, if you, you haven't seen it go. by now, then hey, That's on you. Tough. Yeah. Uh, in this one, you're right. I don't know. Like, I didn't know if I was supposed to love Daniel Day-Lewis or not, or I was just loving his acting job. Correct. Right? Yes. Going into it. Yes. And the preacher looked a little sketchy the whole time, to be quite of honest. Of course. Oh, right? he, was, he was very like, unsettling. Yeah. And by so, the way, so that preacher is going to be in the new Batman movie. He's, he's going to be the Riddler. That's Dano? Yeah, that's Paul Dano. Okay. Yeah. 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 I really... I'm, I'm glad you like him. I'm proud of you, Brent. Yeah. Listen. We're starting to get you there now. Um, how old is that movie? There will be blood. That's got to be like 2009, 10, I would so say. So what has, has Daniel Day-Lewis done something big since then? Oh, Gangs in New York. So Gangs in New York. Yes. Yeah. Him, Leonardo DiCaprio. Okay. You haven't seen that one? 2007. No, was was There will be blood? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Have we seen Gangs of New York? Of course. Casey? Right. Bill the Butcher, man. No. There you go. B Bill the Butcher. Ah. Um... I would say I like There Will Be Blood better, but Leonardo DiCaprio, Daniel Day-Lewis, you can't go wrong with that one either. All right. We'll yeah. check it out. Yeah. Now, th th it's violent, so, you know. know. Okay. All right. Yeah. I can handle the violence. Okay. I mean, I just watched a guy get hit with a bowling <laughs> pin in the last movie I saw. All right? <laughs> that's that's I mean, a good point. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it yeah. was like, 
It was like it was the <laughs> 1900s version, early 1900s version of like Goodfellas. True, very true. <laughs> For a moment, Gangs of New York came out before <laughs> There Will Be Blood. Oh, did it really? 2002. Oh, I stand. Oh, wow! I know it was that old the movie. I stand yeah. corrected, then, Brent. So, if you're looking for the new stuff, you're mostly looking for Lincoln. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, I'll be honest. I, I, you know, it's the I'm only new. That's the only newer one there is. One. No, well, he he did the 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 the, the, the seamstress one or whatever. Not the seam. It's something. It's his last movie he did. <laughs> Sorry. Delphonic says, remember when Brent said Austin would never guess the movie you watched and it was Old Country for a while? <laughs> yeah, that was just last like week, Delphonic, a, all right? Like Go 80. back and make another hey, meme Brent, or gif or something. Hey, Brent literally comes out, guys, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> I have I saw this this low-budget indie movie. You guys probably never heard of it before. Now, there's some, some guys probably never heard of, but... Uh, it's called No Country for Old Men. You might want to check it out. Oh, really, Brent? You mean like the, the best Oscar nominee? Whatever? Okay. It, I'll, I'll say this. Yeah. I watched that movie. Yep. And then I watched this movie. Yep. And I, I can't believe, I was like, if I watch those two movies and then you, you give me like five other ones, right? Yeah. And then I had to put it in a bucket mm-hmm. and say, this is something Austin likes. This is something Casey likes. This is something X. Person, whoever likes. Yeah, yeah. I would not have put either movie in your bucket. In my bucket? No. Are you serious? No. You don't think there will be blood in my bucket? I just, oh, Brent, you, you don't just, even know I me, huh? think, like, by the time, like, the first 40 minutes of, like, both movies sure. are so slow going sure. that I was like, ah, he's, he's, he's checked out. Oh, Brent, man. I, I guess you don't know me, huh? I got to know. I'm yeah. learning more about you. Dude, I mean, just the, the especially there will be blood, just the power and just the, the greed of it. I mean, yeah. how could I not like that? I know it. Man, I'm, now I'm disappointed in you. Ah, yeah, listen, I'm just we're still okay. learning about each other. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I mean, we've been working together for like three, three years, years now. I feel like it. you should know my movies. Well, commercial so. breaks only have so much time. <laughs> and by the way, he's in Last of the Mohicans as well. Have you seen that one? No. Old school movie. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, actually, wait a minute. I think I did. Is that Last of the Mohicans? Oh, yeah. Yeah, big yeah. time. I'm talking like three or four hours. Like, remember back in the VHS when well, you, you had to get, like, the last movie VHS? I might have watched just, uh, I was thinking of the Dance long with movie. Wolves? Dance with Wolves. Dance with Wolves. That's a good one, too. And it was, that was Costner, wasn't Kevin it? Kevin Costner, yeah. Yep. Um, gosh, how old is Last Mohicans? Like, in the last 90s? Last Mohicans was 92. Oof. Yep. Gosh, I was just a young lad. <laughs> the, uh, the, one other thing about that movie, uh, There Will Be Blood. Yeah. The, the best part of that. Okay. Right? Is yep. where you really see, like, a character flip. In my opinion, yep, go ahead. Is when the explosion of the oil, yep. right? Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, HW is back there <laughs> losing his hearing. Yeah. And Daniel Day Lewis <laughs> is like, "Look how rich we're gonna be." Yeah, for sure. I was like, "Oh, wait a minute! This <laughs> is not going the way I thought it was gonna it's go." Sacrifice, man. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> yep. Hey, you gotta be extremely selfish if you want to be not great. Not the best dad out it. there, you know. Not the best <laughs> dad out there. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, you asked a question. How much of a black eye yeah. will this be for the league? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to be real about this. Yeah. I, I guess the simple answer is, yeah, it'll be a major black eye. It's going to be a big story at one of the biggest times uh, of the year. It's going mm-hmm. to be, you have to disprove it. And yeah. are you willing to disprove it? And can you disprove it? And now all teams are involved, which means every market in the country that has an NFL team and beyond are asking these questions, which means we might have 32 statements from NFL teams and a Roger Goodell statement at some point. Uh, so I, I think the answer is a pretty big black eye. And I say that on the heels of what I said earlier. Right now it's a bad view for the NFL if n- – 
no African-American coach gets hired when there are nine jobs available and at least six African-American coaches were candidates for positions. Mm -hmm. And I do think even the Leftwich stuff, whether how close it was, how true it was, is still to be determined. Mm -hmm. But the optics were he was about to get the job and then he didn't. Like, that's odd. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying the Jags did anything wrong, but I'm just saying throw this all together. And I think the view of it is, is not pretty and not good. And so I think it exists. It doesn't. I think you could have had four coaches, four minority coaches hired in this cycle. You name them. Mm -hmm. Jim Caldwell to Byron Leftwich to um, Brian Flores again, yeah. you know, to Eric Bieniemy, you know, out of nine jobs. And I'm not saying this goes away, Austin, but it certainly heads in a direction that's different. You say you have four out of the nine that are minority hires. Mm -hmm. And now you have six to seven different guys being interviewed for the jobs. And now you have two or three minority GMs getting the jobs. Uh, if an Adrian Wilson gets hired or something, right? And, and so now you, you had a chance in this cycle to really turn this story forward. I'm not saying squash it. It shouldn't be a squash subject, but turn it forward. Instead, you get just the opposite. You get this opposite, this backlash. But while it will be a black eye, I will say this about black eyes. And you've had them because you fight. <laughs> they go away. True. And the NFL is king. True. And we love our football. True. White, black, women, men. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. We like to gamble. We like fantasy football. I, I don't think people are just not going to watch the Super Bowl next in yeah. two weeks. Mm -hmm. I, I, I'm just being real with you that the problem is ongoing. The problem will continue. The problem will be discussed. And the NFL will try to do things that look like they're trying to get progress going in the right spot. But I just don't know if the product is going to suffer. Mm -hmm. Unless the only way we see that is this enormous support for what Flores is saying. Yeah. I think. And so, yeah, I think it's a black eye, and it might be a big one. But even big black eyes go away. It's a great point, man. Um, it's a great point. You know, uh, to me, it all depends on our coaches present or, or former going to come forward and support him. If he starts getting support, then I think it's going to have a lasting effect forever in the NFL. Um, I think even the black eye, you know, if nothing comes from it, if, if more black coaches get an honest, fair opportunity and get hired, well, then progress is made. But I feel like something bigger could be happening if more people start to go along with Brian Flores. I'm not sure if it's going to happen or not. Well, we'll see. And, and by the way, I, I think I know the bigger story. Like, I think it's... But is it up for debate? What is the bigger story? Hmm. The hiring process of African-American and minority coaches? Or an owner saying, I'll give you $100,000 to lose? There is Because that too. I will tell you this. The hiring of minority coaches can be a fixed issue can be solved. You can't get back the integrity of the game that you potentially lose from an owner doing that. Mm -hmm. The only thing you can do is say, owner, you're out of here. Mm -hmm. And by the way, that is a very difficult thing to do. A very, very, I know it seems like, yeah, just fire the owner and rule. You, that's a hard thing to do. Yeah. And so, like, I understand what the bigger issue should be and is. 
But I wouldn't sleep on the $100,000 a game issue either. No, for sure. Because that may be just as big a problem in the immediate for the NFL. Yeah. We'll be back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. to see the effects that this lawsuit has on the hiring process and clearly Brian Flores had to think of all the fallout that would come with filing a bombshell lawsuit like this against the National Football League. Now the National Football League has wanted Brian Flores to be hired as a head coach, at least we thought so, prior to this lawsuit but after something like this when he's suing the league and all the teams in the lawsuit, clearly you would think I'm not a legal expert that that would jeopardize his chances at getting one of these jobs, but he had to know just what he was doing before he filed that lawsuit. I've been talking a lot about it, the Brian Flores lawsuit. That's a big one today uh, in the NFL, no doubt about it. want to update you on the Jags latest as well, and I have a question. Does this halt the Jaguars in any way? Is the NFL collecting itself right now, mm-hmm. and is or is business going on as usual? Before we do that, though, how about the Swoop Minute, unfospreys.com, the place to go for the latest in uh, UNF Ospreys Athletics, and that includes men's golf today. Nick Gabrowczyk claimed his fourth individual win of his career. Back-to-back titles now at the Seabest Invitational as uh, North Florida had a third-place finish at TPC Sawgrass in Ponte Vedra, of course. I got to tell you this now. Gabrelchek, we were talking to Scott Schroeder, the golf coach, the other day when we were over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he yeah. Was, this is the kid he was yep, raving about. I remember about. he said that. And he said he's going to be a PGA Tour player someday. Yeah. He's got some special stuff, and he's he plays golf for the Ospreys, and uh, he was terrific. I know at one time today he had six birdies and no bogeys through like 15 holes, Oof. and... Uh, a tremendous player, uh, Nick Kaprochek, for the Ospreys. Go read more about him, unfospreys.com. Men's and women's basketball on the road this week, uh, but they'll uh, return home for some action in a couple weeks, and you can find out where you can get tickets. Also, baseball, softball starting up as well on campus, unfospreys.com. That is your swoop minute. Brent Martineau, Austin Lane, Casey Kurtz. All right, uh, all this news with Flores. Obviously, Tom Brady was one of the stories of the day. In fact, before I get to this, let me go quick. Tom Brady, I asked you this way back, and then we got the Flores <laughs> news came in. Yeah, yeah. Tom Brady, preparing for Tom Brady. Yeah. Any different than any other guy? I, I figure Peyton Manning and Brady would be kind of in their own yeah, league when you played. Definitely in their own league. You just knew going against Tom Brady is going to be a frustrating day because there's nothing more frustrating as an edge rusher when you have, like, that, that money rush, right, where you beat your guy, it's like hitting a home run, like, oh, this is it. I'm getting to Tom Brady. And then all of a sudden the ball's out. And, and that's what Tom Brady w- w- was so great of doing was getting the ball out in, like, two seconds, where you had, literally had no chance uh, of trying to get a hold of him. And, and that's what I remember most about, I mean, obviously being the GOAT, number one, but number two is just how frustrating it was to play against the Patriots because they were so good at stymieing defensive lines. Yeah, and and by the way, if you go all the way back to right before I got here in 2007, before you got here and played for the Jaguars, you know, that was the thing. I think he went 26 for 28 in that playoff game against the Jags, and part of it, part of their offense, part of their system that they created was get that ball out quick and get it out in a hurry. Of course, he's not going to run away from you, but he knew when to get out, knew where he was going. He had mastered the offense, especially the last 10 to 12 to 15 years of his career. It is. It was a beautiful illustration of a guy mastering a system, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. And I, I tell people this because this has come up a lot now that Trevor Lawrence is going to have another offensive coordinator. Now that others, we talk about Alex Smith and all the different coordinators he has, and now you look at success, Zach Taylor and Joe Burrow, they've been together a couple of years, right? Well, 
Tom Brady, I think the story is in 22 years, if I'm not mistaken, he had three different coordinators. Yeah. Like, that's it. Mm-hmm. I think I'm right on that. I think that's Weiss. I think it was O'Brien. And I think it was McDaniels. Maybe somebody else in there, but I'm pretty sure it's Weiss, McDaniels, and O'Brien. So maybe that's the biggest lesson out there. Find the right guy for your quarterback and for Trevor Lawrence because I'm not telling you you're going to be the greatest of all time, but it's certainly a recipe for success. You're not wrong. And, and I think we lose sight of that. I think we, we often lose sight of that, and that's why the staff is so important on who you hire and, and keep some continuity around here in Jacksonville. So that brings us back to the Jags. And Rick Spielman, former GM in Minnesota, he's the name of the day, the flavor of the day, the wrinkle in the whatever plan this is. I wouldn't call it a plan uh, here in Jacksonville looking for the next head coach, uh, GM, executive vice president. Like we really don't have much context of how Spielman could fit in other than that him and Peterson certainly could be a joint venture. And Bulky somewhere is hiding in the middle of all that, whether he's here or not. Uh, Spielman, the news of the day, Peterson interview apparently taking place today. Yeah, I think if you're Shad Khan, you have to let history be your teacher here, right? And you can't make the same mistakes twice. I think in terms of bringing Spielman in, I, I think he's got a great football mind. I think he's got a great mind in evaluating talent. And I think he would be an integral part of the Jaguars going forward. But you want to see him in a role that is going to be beneficial to this team. I think that's the GM role. I think if you bring him in in some sort of EVP, and then you still have Trent Bulky as GM and Doug Peterson as a head coach, that, to, to me, that's risky. To, to me, that's an unneeded risk that you're taking right now because we've seen how the story played out with, you know, Doug Marone, with Tom Coughlin, with Dave Caldwell. I don't want to repeat history. You, we mentioned it many times before, you know, it, you got to make the clean sweep, start anew, and I think if you bring him in, then let him be the GM. Let me ask you guys this real quick, okay, to end the show today. If it, and I know this isn't ideal, okay, so just to get in the context of the question, uh, because if it's Spielman, bulky stays in some capacity, and Peterson, how are people reacting to that? How are people reacting? How are the fans reacting? Like, how is that like, hey. There's going to be disappointment. Uh, fine. We thought we were. We, Shad's an idiot. I can't believe he's keeping Bulky, but at least there's Spielman and Peterson involved. Or I can't believe Bulky's involved. Forget this team. I mean, I'm going to be acting. I'm going to be nervous because, once again, I don't want to see a repeat. And I think, you know, Tom Coughlin, Doug Marone, Dave Caldwell are still pretty fresh in people's minds of how much of a mess that was. I think people will be okay with Doug Peterson, but they'll be turned off to the idea of starting Trent Bulky. They would react poorly. Yeah. Just, if Bulky's in the mix, yeah, uh, Shad's going to get a lot of criticism. I uh, hope he's ready for that. Uh, the NFL did release a statement, by the way, on the Brian Flores suit. Uh, our clubs are deeply committed to ensuring equitable employment practices and continue to make progress in providing equitable opportunities throughout our organizations. Diversity is core to everything we do. There are a few issues on which our clubs and our internal leadership Needs to, uh, teams spend more time. We'll defend against these claims, which are without merit, the NFL says about the Brian Flores suit. Right. So here we go. Yep. Uh, round one, at least, NFL and Brian Flores. Uh, we'll see you on TV tonight, CBS 47, Fox 30. Back at it tomorrow. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. What's the next shoe to drop? Uh, not only in the NFL, but with the Jags coaching search. Have a good night, everybody.